This is the London Visited Podcast on your favourite podcast provider, bringing to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Hi there, I'm Steve and welcome to our podcast. We're here for all things London and to tell you more about behind some of the iconic places and people in London's history. In this episode, we go to the Natural History Museum, a building globally famous for its appearance, but also inside for the amazing exhibit and work it does. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our London Visited YouTube channel so you can see videos covering this place and so many others across London. And now to this week's podcast. The Natural History Museum in London exhibits a vast range of specimens from various segments of natural history. It is one of three major museums on Exhibition Road in South Kensington, the others being the Science Museum and the Victorian Albert Museum. The Natural History Museum's main frontage is on Cromwell Road. The museum is home to life and earth science specimens, comprising of some 80 million items within five main collections – botany, entomology, mineralogy, paleontology and zoology. The museum is a centre of research specialising in taxonomy identification and conservation. Given the age of the institution, many of the collections have great historical as well as scientific value, such as specimens collected by Charles Darwin. The museum is particularly famous for its exhibition of dinosaur skeletons and ornate architecture, sometimes dubbed a cathedral of nature, most exemplified by the large diplodocus cast that dominated the vaulted central hall before it was replaced in 2017 with a skeleton of a blue whale hanging from the ceiling. The Natural History Museum Library contains extensive books, journals, manuscripts and art collections linked to the work and research of the scientific departments. Access to the library is by appointment only. The museum is recognised as the pre-eminent centre of natural history and research of related fields in the world. Although commonly referred to as the Natural History Museum, it was officially known as the British Museum Natural History until 1992. Despite legal separation from the British Museum itself in 1963. Originating from collections within the British Museum, the landmark Alfred Waterhouse Building was built and opened by 1881 and later incorporated the Geological Museum. The Darwin Centre is a more recent addition, partly designed as a modern facility for storing the valuable collections. Like other publicly funded national museums in the UK, the Natural History Museum does not charge an admission fee. It did, but it was scrapped in 2001. The museum is an exempt charity and a non-departmental public body sponsored by the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge, is a patron of the museum and there are approximately 850 staff at the museum. The foundation of the collection was that of the Ulster doctor Sir Hans Sloan between 1660 and 1753, who allowed his significant collections to be purchased by the British government at a price well below their market value at the time. This purchase was funded by a lottery. Sloan's collection, which included dry plants and animal and human skeletons, was initially housed in Montague House in Bloomsbury in 1756, which was then home of the British Museum. Most of the Sloan collection had disappeared by the early decades of the 19th century. Dr George Shaw, Keeper of Natural History 1806-1813, sold many specimens to the Royal College of Surgeons, and had periodic cremations of material in the grounds of the museum. His successors also applied to the trustees for permission to destroy decayed specimens, 
1833, the annual report states that of the 5,500 insects listed in the Sloan catalogue, none remained. The inability of the natural history departments to conserve its specimens became notorious. The Treasury refused to entrust it with specimens collected at the government's expense. Appointments of staff were bedeviled by gentlemanly favouritism. In 1862, a nephew of the mistress of a trustee was appointed, despite not knowing the difference between a butterfly and a moth. J. E. Gray, Keeper of Zoology, 1840-1874, complained of the incidence of mental illness among the staff. The huge collection of the chronicleist Hugh Cumming was acquired by the museum, and Gray's own wife had carried the open trays across the courtyard in a gale, and all the labels blew away. That collection is said to have never have recovered. The principal librarian at the time had a contempt for natural history departments and for science in general. The general public was not encouraged to visit the museum's natural history exhibits. In 1835, to a select committee of parliament, Sir Henry Ellis said that this policy was fully approved by the principal librarian and his senior colleagues. Many of these faults were corrected by the paleontologist Richard Owen, appointed superintendent of the National History Departments of the British Museum in 1856. His changes led Bill Bryson to write that, by making the Natural History Museum an institution for everyone, Owen transformed our expectations of what museums are for. Owen saw that the Natural History Departments needed more space, and that implied a separate building as the British Museum site was limited. Land in South Kensington was purchased, and in 1864, a competition was held to design the new museum. The winning entry was submitted by a civil engineer, Captain Francis Falk, who died shortly afterwards. The scheme was taken over by Alfred Waterhouse, who subsequently revised the original plans and designed the facades in his own idiosyncratic Romanesque style, which was inspired by his frequent visits to the continent. The original plans included wings on either side of the main building, but these plans were soon abandoned for budgetary reasons. The space that these would have occupied are now taken by the Earth Galleries and the Darwin Centre. Work began in 1873 and was completed in 1880. The museum opened in 1881, although the move from the old museum was not fully completed until 1883. Both the interiors and exteriors of the Waterhouse building make extensive use of architectural terracotta tiles to resist the sooty atmosphere of Victorian London. Manufactured by the Tamworth-based company of Gibson Canning Limited. The tiles and bricks feature many relief sculptures of flora and fauna, with living and extinct species featured within the west and east wings respectively. This explicit separation was at the request of Owen and has been seen as a statement of his contemporary rebuttal of Darwin's attempt to link present species with past through the theory of natural selection. The central axis of the museum is aligned with the tower of the Imperial College London, formerly the Imperial Institute, and the Royal Albert Hall and Albert Memorial further north. All these form part of the complex known colloquially as Albertopolis. Even after the opening, the Natural History Museum legally remained a department of the British Museum, with a former name, British Museum Natural History, usually abbreviated in the scientific literature as BMNH. A petition to the Chancellor of the Exchequer was made in 1866, signed by the heads of the Royal, Linnean and Zoological Societies, as well as naturalists including Darwin, Wallace and Huxley, asking that the museum gain independence from the board of the British Museum, and heated discussions on the matter continued for nearly 100 years. Finally, with the passing of the British Museum Act 1963, the British Museum Natural History became an independent museum with its own board of trustees, although 
despite a proposed amendment to the Act in the House of Lords, the former name was retained. In 1989, the museum publicly rebranded itself as the Natural History Museum and effectively stopped using the title British Museum Natural History on its advertising and its books for general readers. Only with the Museums and Galleries Act 1992 did the museum's formal title finally change to the Natural History Museum. In 1976, the museum absorbed the adjacent Geological Museum of the British Geological Survey, which had long competed for limited space available in the area. The Geological Museum became world famous for exhibitions, including an active volcano model and an earthquake machine designed by James Gardner and housed the world's first computer-enhanced exhibition, Treasures of the Earth. The museum's galleries were completely rebuilt and relaunched in 1996 as the Earth Galleries, with other exhibitions in the Waterhouse building retitled the Life Galleries. The Natural History Museum's own mineralogy displays remain largely unchanged as an example of the 19th century display techniques of the Waterhouse building. The central atrium, designed by Neil Potter, overcame visitors' reluctance to visit the upper galleries by pulling them up through a model of the earth made up of random plates on an escalator. The new design covered the walls in recycled slate and sandblasted the major stairs and planets onto the wall. The museum's star geological exhibits are displayed within the walls. Six iconic figures with the backdrop to discussing how the previous generations have viewed Earth. These were later removed to make place for a stegosaurus skeleton that was put on display in late 2015. The Darwin Centre, named after Charles Darwin, was designed as a new home for the museum's collection of tens of millions of preserved specimens, as well as new workspaces for the museum's scientific staff and new educational visitor experiences. Built in two distinct phases, with two new buildings adjacent to the main Waterhouse building, it is the most significant new development project in the museum's history. Phase 1 of the Darwin Centre opened to the public in 2002 and it houses the zoological department's spirit collections, organisms preserved in alcohol. Phase 2 was unveiled in September 2008 and opened to the general public in September 2009. It was designed by a Danish architectural practice in the shape of a giant eight-storey cocoon and houses the entomology and botanical collections, the dry collections. It is possible for members of the public to visit and view non-exhibited items for a fee by booking onto one of several spirit collection tours offered daily. Arguably, the most famous creature at the centre is an 8.62 metre long giant squid, affectionately named Archie. As part of the museum's remit to communicate science education and conservation work, a new multimedia studio will form an important part of Darwin Centre Phase 2. In collaboration with the BBC's Natural History Unit, holder of the largest archive of natural history footage, the Attenborough Studio, named after the broadcaster Sir David Attenborough, provides a multimedia environment for educational events. The studio holds regular lectures and demonstrations, including free nature live talks on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. One of the most famous and certainly most prominent of the exhibits, nicknamed Dippy, is a 105-foot-long replica of a Diplodocus Carnegie skeleton, which was on display for many years within the Central Hall. The cast was given as a gift by the Scottish-American industrialist Andrew Carnegie. After discussion with King Edward VII, then a keen trustee of the British Museum, Carnegie paid £2,000 for the casting copying the original held at the Carnegie Museum of Natural History. The pieces were sent to London in 36 crates, 
and on the 12th of May 1905, the exhibit was unveiled to great public and media interest. The real fossil had yet to be mounted, as the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh was still being constructed to house it. As word of Dippy spread, Mr. Carnegie paid to have the additional copies made for display in most major European capitals and in Latin and South America, making Dippy the most viewed dinosaur skeleton in the world. The dinosaur quickly became an iconic representation of the museum and is featured in many cartoons and other media, including the 1975 Disney comedy One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing. After 112 years on display at the museum, the dinosaur replica was removed in early 2017 to be replaced by an actual skeleton of a young blue whale, a 128-year-old skeleton nicknamed Hope. Dippy went on tour of various British museums, starting in 2018 and concluding in 2020 at Norwich Cathedral. The blue whale skeleton, Hope, that has replaced Dippy, is another prominent display in the museum. The display of the skeleton, some 82 feet long and weighing 4.5 tonnes, was only made possible in 1934 with the building of the new whale hall, now the Mammals Blue Whale Model Gallery. The whale had been in storage for 42 years since its stranding on the sandbanks at the mouth of Wexford Harbour, Ireland, in March 1891, after being injured by whalers. At this time, it was first displayed in the Mammals Blue Whale Model Gallery, but now takes pride of place in the museum's Hens Hall. Discussion of the idea of a life-size model also began around 1934, and work was undertaken within the whale hall itself. Since taking a cast of such a large animal was deemed prohibitively expensive, scale models were used to meticulously piece the structure together. During construction, workmen left a trap door within the whale's stomach, which they would use for sneaking cigarette breaks. Before the door was closed and sealed forever, some coins and a telephone directory were placed inside. This soon growing to an urban myth that a time capsule was left inside. The work was completed entirely within the hall and in view of the public in 1938. At the time, it was the largest such model in the world, at 92 feet in length. The construction details were later borrowed by several American museums, who scaled the plans further. The work involved removing Dippy and replacing it with Hope was documented in a BBC television special, Horizon, Dippy and the Whale, narrated by David Attenborough, which was first broadcast on BBC Two on the 13th of July 2017 the day before Hope was unveiled for public display. The Darwin Centre is host to Archie, an 8.62-metre long giant squid taken alive in a fishing net near the Falkland Islands in 2004. The squid is not on general display, but stored in the large tank room in the basement of Phase 1 building. It is possible for members of the public to visit and view non-exhibited items behind the scenes for a fee by booking onto one of several spirit collection tours offered daily. On arrival at the museum, the specimen was immediately frozen while preparations commenced for its permanent storage. Since few complete and reasonably fresh examples of the species exist, wet storage was chosen, leaving the squid undissected. A 9.45 metre acrylic tank was constructed by the same team that provide tanks to Damien Hurst and the body preserved using a mixture of formalin and saline solution. The museum holds the remains and bones of the River Thames whale a northern bottlenose whale that lost its way on the 20th of January 2006 and swam into the Thames. Although primary use for research purposes and held at the museum's storage site at Wandsworth. Dinococlea, 
one of the longer-standing mysteries of paleontology, originally thought to be a giant gasopoid shell, and then a coprolite, and now a concentration of a worm's tunnel, has been a part of the collection since its discovery in 1921. The museum keeps a wildlife garden on its west lawn, on which a potentially new species of insect was discovered in 2007. The museum runs a series of educational and public engagement programs. These include, for example, a highly praised How Science Works hands-on workshop for school students demonstrating the use of microfossils in geological research. The museum also played a major role in securing designation of the Jurassic Coast of Devon and Dorset as a UNESCO World Heritage Site and has subsequently been a lead partner in the Lyme Regis Fossil Festivals. The closest London Underground station is South Kensington and there is a tunnel from the station that emerges close to the entrance of all three museums. Admission is free, although there are donation boxes in the foyer. Museum Lane immediately to the north provides disabled access to the museum, a connecting bridge between the Natural History and Science Museum close to the public in the late 1990s. The museum is a prominent setting in Charlie Fletcher's children's book trilogy about un-London called Stoneheart. George Chapman, the hero, sneaks outside when punished on a school trip. He breaks off a small dragon's stone head from a relief and is chased by the petrodoll, which comes to life from a statue on the roof. In the 2014 film Paddington, the villain is Millicent Clyde, a taxidermist at the museum. She kidnaps Paddington intending to kill and stuff him, but is thwarted by the Brown family after scenes involving chases inside and on the roof of the building. So, I hope you've enjoyed our look at the Natural History Museum over at South Kensington, world famous for its exhibitions. And also, did you know about the giant squid? Must have a look at that next time we're down there. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any places that you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, www.londonvisited.co.uk. It's that easy. Thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you very soon on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one.